0: Happy Thursday and welcome to Not Boring. So one of the things that we're trying to do at Not Boring is to build out a toolkit that gives forward-thinking companies and investors the things they need to succeed. Often, that's new ways of thinking about strategy. Last week, it was money. This week, it's talent. Hiring can be boring. Today's guest post is here to change that. Let's get to it. Expanding the talent pipeline. When non-traditional talent is a competitive competitive advantage by Ruben Agbana. On September 27th, 2010, Peter Thiel announced what would become the Thiel Fellowship on the stage of TechCrunch Disrupt. He committed to awarding $100,000 to 20 promising college students to incentivize them to drop out and pursue an entrepreneurial endeavor. Since then, he has funded approximately 20 college dropouts per year, including the likes of Dylan Field of Figma and Vitalik Buterin of Ethereum. Since then, a number of venture funds have emerged around the thesis that college campuses are prime recruiting grounds for startups that deliver outsized returns. Funds like Dorm Room Fund and Contrary place early bets on young entrepreneurs and provide them with the networking coaching necessary to turn their ideas into viable startups. Their investments include Brooklinen and DoorDash, two of my quarantine essentials. This brand of fund tends to have a certain irreverence for our higher education system that I've come to respect. Their existence implies a belief that college's unique value proposition is its ability to select, not to develop, potential entrepreneurs. They invest capital on the belief that a college diploma is not a prerequisite for success in the world of entrepreneurship. I particularly enjoyed this bold declaration from the 1517 Fund, named for the year when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And in the post, there's a link to the bold declaration. These funds source deals deal flow from a predictable set of colleges, typically those in the nation's top 25. This strategy is understandable, as the prevailing wisdom is that these colleges are home to our country's best and brightest young minds. Thus, limiting top of funnel recruitment to these schools will yield the best return on investment. However, I would argue that by having a singular focus on our nation's most elite universities, funds are missing out on the leaders that are best equipped to solve some of the world's most pressing problems, particularly those that are facing underserved communities. College admissions is broken. In March of last year, Felicity Hoffman became the face of the largest college admissions scandal in recent memory, sparking a national debate about the equity and efficacy of our country's higher education system. We began to ask who actually gets to attend our nation's most well-respected institutions and why? This is a question that the National Bureau of Economic Research had been investigating for 20 years prior to Huffman's arrest. In a paper titled, Mobility Report Cards, The Role of Colleges in Intergenerational Mobility, researchers from Stanford, Brown, and Berkeley highlighted the correlation between household income and emissions to our nation's top universities. Children of families in the top 20% of income earners accounted for 70% of the uh, students attending elite Ivy Plus universities while those from families in the lower quintile of earners represent only 3.8%. Students whose parents are in the top 1% of the income distribution are 77 times more likely to attend an elite college than those whose parents are in the bottom income quintile. We've been conditioned to view an 18-year-old's admittance to a top 10 university as purely a signal of their intelligence potential and ambition and a leading indicator of their likelihood of launching a successful venture. However, we do not often consider just how much one's success in the college admissions process can be attributed to familial wealth, access, and influence. No matter how much talent, curiosity, and intelligence exists in low-income communities, they do not stand a chance against the advantages that wealth affords with respect to SAT prep, admissions counseling, feeder high schools, and familial, familial networks. What this means is that every year budding scientists student leaders and prodigious entrepreneurs with all the potential in the world will be overlooked for the opportunities that would otherwise allow them to actualize it in the market the need for change for the past decade i've been able to witness the college problem firsthand i've worked as a math teacher and computer science teacher instructional coach and school leader in some of the highest-performing, low-income public schools in the country. I've been fortunate to help countless students gain admission to the schools of their dreams, and I've seen many of these dreams deflated as students come to terms with financial aid packages that make it infeasible or impossible to attend. In these cases, students are forced to choose between the lesser of two unpleasant options. One, close the gap financing their education with a precariously high amount of student loan debt. Our country's $1.6 trillion student debt crisis is well documented. Though, we often do not talk about how it disproportionately impacts Black borrowers. Across all institutions, Black borrowers default on these loans at a rate of 32%. Among those who fail to complete college, the rate increases to 55%. This is largely driven by the fact that Black graduates hold approximately 50000 in student debt upon graduation, compared to the national average of 30000 and two, make the financially prudent decision to forego their dream of school in favor of the more reasonably priced local option. The trade-off is that their local state or city university likely does not offer the support, career development, and networking opportunities that their financially out of reach dream school affords. They often have graduation rates and average starting salaries that are significantly lower. Thus, these students fail to reach their potential due to a completely different set of factors. This data supports a growing narrative that I've experienced personally. College is broken, and it is underserved communities that experience its negative impacts most acutely. This is what inspired me to begin seeking out new solutions. A new option, the Marcy Lab School. In March 2019, we launched the Marcy Marcy Lab School. We are a Brooklyn, New York-based nonprofit company with two goals. One, to build a viable alternative to traditional college for. High potential young adults from underserved backgrounds, and two, to create a pipeline of diverse talent to the tech sector in hopes of producing the next generation of startup entrepreneurs from from black and brown communities. We recruit young adults who would otherwise commit to four year collegiate studies at a traditional university and ask them to spend one year with us in an accelerated study program. During our year long full time program, students are immersed in a curriculum that includes computer science fundamentals, foundational principles in software engineering, and a social justice and professional readiness curriculum that we simply call leadership development. This training is followed by a three month apprenticeship where fellows have the opportunity to apply their learnings in a real world context as a contributing member of an engineering team that is shipping software at scale. This is their opportunity to showcase their ability to learn, adapt and add value to teams working on complex problems. Our curriculum is grounded in theory, but drives toward practical application. It is continually informed by the needs of our target industry. Our program is designed to foster autodidactism, creating lasting bonds between students and point them toward the big problems in the world while emboldening them to create new solutions to solve them. Our results. In our first fellowship year, we have seen astounding results. Of our inaugural fellows, 55% are women, 100% are black and or Latinx, and 100% are from low-income households. Our fellows have accepted job offers to build software at startups, nonprofits, and publicly traded tech companies. Thus far, they're earning an average salary of $93,000 per year to do so. And this is packy as an aside. These are 19-year-old kids we're talking about making $93,000 a year. Back to the essay. Our work has been funded by a diverse group of stakeholders, including J.P. Morgan, Lyft, Lenovo, and the mayor of New York City. Institutions that are all invested in the success of this overlooked student group and in the fight for greater diversity in tech. We are looking ahead to next year, where we will grow to serve nearly three times the number of fellows as we did this year. We will be doubling down on distance learning as a strategy to more efficiently scale our impact and expand into new markets. A success story. Meet Mark Griffith. He is the son of hard-working West Indian immigrants. He is a gamer, a hardware nerd, and an incredibly empathic human being. He's one of our inaugural software engineer fellows. Mark graduated from a selective public high school here in New York City. He was a stellar student who engaged in extracurricular activities that fed his interests in technology. During his senior year, he was admitted to his dream school, Drexel University. He even received a partial scholarship. However, at an all-in cost of $70,000 per year, he'll still have to take out approximately $30,000 in student loans per year in order to attend. Worried of the financial strain that this would have put on him and his family, he decided to postpone college matriculation. Mark spent two years out of school, somewhat aimlessly searching for a pathway into a meaningful career. He found us in May 2019 and began his fellowship that following September. Motivated by an insatiable curiosity and a desire to succeed for his family, Mark approached his fellowship with an inspiring amount of ambition and discipline. From building an app that used NLP to help users find Reddit communities based on their Spotify library, to experimenting with WebGL to create 3D games, he viewed every project as an opportunity to stretch his learning boundaries. An aspiring entrepreneur, he was never afraid to take on the project manager role for his group projects. Over the past 12 months, he has developed the skills and mindsets that would make him an invaluable asset to any growing engineering organization. Last week, he landed his first full-time software engineering role. Had he chosen to attend Drexel University back in 2017, he would be $120,000 in debt, preparing for a semester of courses on Zoom. Instead, he'll be getting paid $102,000 per year to build scalable APIs for a growing company with 4.6 million users around the world. Why you should partner with us? If you're a founder or VC and like the funds I mentioned at the beginning of this essay, your portfolio's early talent pipeline is solely reliant on graduates from the elite universities. You're missing out on talent like Mark. You're putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage. Among his many gifts, Mark brings two traits to any organization that hires him: one, a level of empathy and understanding for a diverse cross-section of potential users, and two, a level of grit competitiveness and determination that can only come from the desire to lift oneself into a new position in life. In order to land his position, Mark had to outperform 32 of his peers from institutions such as Stanford, Berkeley, Cornell, and NYU. I'm confident that he will do so again in the next phase of his career when he might be competing against these same peers for funding or market share. So here's the ask. If you're a VC investing in world-changing startups a founder growing a team to solve meaningful problems at scale, I would love to talk to you. I want to work with you to kickstart a pipeline of outstanding engineering talent from underrepresented backgrounds that will add immediate value to your startup or portfolio companies. Moreover, you'll be investing in your company's future. In the long run, these individuals will grow into your team's engineering and product leaders. Or they may take the lessons they learned in hypergrowth and engineering for scale, and point them at novel challenges that only they are suited to solve and you will have the privilege of funding the startups that emerge from these solutions if you're bold and forward thinking enough to share this vision with me i encourage you to reach out directly at Reuben at or on twitter at rubin underscore Ogbana. i'd love to connect with you and introduce some of our fellows directly So that's today's essay, and Ruben Ogbana is the founding and executive director of the Marcy Lab School, an innovative post-secondary education model seeking to address inequity in higher education and the tech sector by training the next generation of engineering leaders from underrepresented backgrounds. So please get in touch with Ruben. You can get in touch with me at PakiM on Twitter or by replying to the email, uh, and I'll put you in touch with Ruben. But I can't say how impressed uh, I am with, with Ruben himself and then what he's building. Uh, and I really hope that somebody in the Not Boring community or many of us in the Not Boring community uh, are able to, to take advantage of this opportunity to hire really great talent. So that's all for this week and I'll see you on Monday.